In this week's episode, I'm joined by Ali Temkin, Director of Global Talent Acquisition at Livingston International. This week, our conversation is about Miss Netherlands, Cordelia Chocolate's Sustainability Initiative, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I've found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Allie, will you please introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, Bernadette. I'm so excited to be here. So thanks for having me on today. Uh, my name is Allie Temkin. I use she, her pronouns, and I am, as you said, the Director of Global Talent Acquisition at Livingston International, a logistics supply chain company. I just celebrated my five-year work anniversary about two weeks ago, so time flies when you're uh, having fun, and uh, it's, been, it's been a busy five years. But unlike a lot of your guests on the podcast, I don't have a traditional formal DEI background. Before Livingston, I was in the nonprofit space in Chicago for about seven, eight years at organizations like Girls in the Game, Playworks, Common Threads, if those are uh, organizations familiar to anyone listening. And, you know, just by the nature of the work we were doing, going into communities where maybe you don't look like the folks that you're interacting with, really important to get a lot of training around things like cultural humility and awareness. And so through that work at really Playworks and Common Threads, um, I gained an appreciation and passion for DEI and I've tried to bring it into my, my current role at, at Livingston. So really excited to talk more about some of these topics with you. Thank you so much. Well, well, let's talk about some of your current work at Livingston. I mean, you are Director of Global Talent Acquisition. What does that look like with a DEI lens at Livingston? Sure. So it looks like, you know, trying to train our hiring managers to understand things like like me bias. I think that's the biggest thing in talent acquisition is a lot of folks want to hire people that you, we hear the phrase, want to have a beer with. And a lot of times those are people like yourself. So really trying to understand everybody has bias. Everybody has preconceived notions about folks. It's happening all day, every day. Um, and that's okay. But you know, there's tools to be able to combat that, slowing down the decision-making process, making sure that your recruiting team is bringing you a diverse slate of candidates. Um, we're not at a place yet to do rule of two, but a lot of places have this where the final two candidates cannot have the same background, cannot look alike. To make sure that you're really trying to, you want to ensure that the best person gets the job, but you also have some diversity on your teams. Um, that's really important. That's fantastic. Can you talk a little bit about some of the ways you're diversifying your talent pipeline and, and your recruiting? 
Sure. Um, we've been looking at different software. Um, so again, not there yet. This is a journey. Um, <laughs> it sure looking, is. It always is. It's absolutely a journey. So a lot of this is a little bit you know, futuristic, but so many great softwares around removing identifiers and resumes, getting rid of names. So you don't know if it's you know, male, female, you don't know maybe where they grew up. So you can't jump to certain conclusions. I think that is really important. I think making sure that you're not just posting and praying to a couple different places. If you're always just posting to Indeed and LinkedIn, great sources, but are you really actively going into different LinkedIn groups? Are you joining Facebook groups? Are you reaching out to HBCUs? Um, are you networking with people who don't look like yourself? And is your network, really talking more as a recruiter at this point, is your network diverse? You're not just tapping into people that have similar backgrounds and look like you. I think that's really important in the networking piece. Yeah, I, those are great tips for anyone listening. Those were some, uh, Allie just gave you a ton of really great tips because, you know, we hear so much about diversity, right? N and not necessarily about equity and inclusion. And so it seems like the first thing that organizations started to really emphasize when uh, we started having our DEI reckoning a few years ago mm -hmm. was, um, was diversity itself and recruiting and how to actually diversify the talent pool. So for organizations and people still grappling with that, you just gave a really great crash course. So thanks, Allie. You know, in my newsletter this week, I wrote a little bit about a prospective client that I just had a conversation with recently. And it was a tech company looking for, in their words, a low-key, light-lift DEI partner. Because the last company that they worked with had very high expectations from this company's senior leadership team. And that partner wouldn't provide sort of one-off workshops as a matter of principle, which I really respect that integrity. But this was a company that had some good things in place, but they also had some recent layoffs and some, mm -hmm. you know, c capacity issues. And so I think that there are a lot of companies really struggling with this. They're looking to keep up the momentum, but they're also, mm -hmm. you know, struggling with capacity, struggling with finances. I mean, Allie, you're, it seems like you're kind of in a similar boat in your role. Can you talk a little bit about how you're keeping up the momentum? This is a toughie. Um, I hope I answer your question because there's a lot that I want to say on, on this topic and that story in the newsletter this week, because we really we need people to really invest in doing the work. And like you'd alluded to, a lot of companies, summer 2020, you know, the, the DEI reckoning we had after the murder of George Floyd, so many companies were jumping into action and doing all the things. And now there's been a lot of articles on the backsliding that corporate America has done since then. And so it's a really delicate balance of, yes, you want momentum. Yes, something is typically better than nothing. But I don't necessarily want senior leaders to get comfortable with thinking about DEI as this box you check, about diversity as a box you check. That's why we have the E and the I and now a B and an A and lots of other letters we're adding as it's a journey and we're growing with this, right? So I don't want them to see it as a box you check with a one-off webinar you do every year. But you said this is a company that has ERGs. They have a DEI strategy statement. So there's nuance to this. I think it's important to you know, take it on a one-off basis. And you made a great call of saying, yeah, I want to be able to support you and, you know, having some incremental 
momentum while you're going through some challenges. So back to your original question, I'm doing the same thing with my current company. Where is there an appetite? And how much can I I push? And what's some, I'm trying not to be too trite, but like the low-hanging fruit. What are a couple easy things, some easy quick wins? But knowing that this is long, hard work and you need people to really invest and not just have the platitudes. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate that uh, that perspective and that in that integrity as well, because I just think that it is really easy to get complacent and to go mm-hmm. back to the the way things were before, because the way things were before was easier, right? <laughs> and right. and so um, so thank you for bringing that up because I just think it's we we need to continue to hold people, to hold leaders accountable. And so, of course, like everything we talk about on five things, this is a yes and. I mean, it's yes, we we need to keep up momentum. Um, yes, we need to be aware of the constrictions, the limitations on budget and capacity. And we still need to keep things going and to hold leaders accountable. So, so thank you for that. All right. Well, let's get into this week's good vibes, Allie. Let's do it. Okay, so the first story comes from the Netherlands. Ricky Valerie Cole has become the first trans woman, transgender woman, to be crowned Miss Netherlands. This 22-year-old will represent the Netherlands in the upcoming Miss Universe pageant and be the first trans woman to do so. She's of Dutch and indigenous Moroccan descent. And I love this story. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful role model. She's What an amazing possibility model she is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the stories that you pulled out from this past week are just about the importance of visibility and having things like this in, you know, the limelight. I think it's really important and it's an amazing story. I loved reading about it. Yeah, especially when there are trans rights under attack, um, especially when in parts of Europe in particular, that especially the UK, things are really tough for trans folks. So I I love that at the level of Miss Universe, Mm -hmm. um, this woman is being celebrated. Okay. And by the way, if she ends up winning Miss Universe, of course, you will all hear about it on five things (laughs) and read about it. Okay. The next story comes from a company in Birmingham, Alabama, USA. Expedited Transport Agency, ETA, has a workforce that's 60% people in recovery, including Mm -hmm. the co-founder. So recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. I mean, this, uh, there are over 22 million people in recovery here in the U S and sometimes, especially if they have felony convictions, it's hard for them to get a job. It's hard for them to stay employed and just sort of the cycle continues. And I love that this company is really being so intentional about creating a safe environment for them. I think this was my favorite story of the ones that you'd highlighted because, wow, what an incredibly brave decision to, you know, have so many folks in recovery a part of ETA, Expedited Transport Agency. It's it's bold, it's brave, it's innovative, and it's the right thing to do. And especially, you know, you know, flipping back to the backsliding piece, let's be real, there's very stark racial disparities in incarceration in the United States, especially for drug-related crimes, um, which just makes this move by ETA an even more important step. And I really like the owner, Tim Cross, I remember Cross's last name, you know, he talked about 
we still have high business standards and practices. We give people chances, but at a certain point, like we still have a business to run. And, you know, you shouldn't have lower expectations. The expectations should still be high, but giving people another chance that not just, you know, everyone's deserving, not just those with the right connections to get back on their feet. It was a very moving story. And I think anybody um, who runs an organization, anyone who's in talent acquisition, needs to read that and think long and hard about how they can implement some of that and where they're working. Yeah, thank you for that. I, you know, honestly, I think that we can forget that people in recovery. I mean, that's all we're all like diversity is everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think this is a segment of folks who aren't often considered when we think about diversity. And what the company is doing is not easy, but inclusion is hard, right? It is worthwhile, meaningful work, but it is not something that's going to be necessarily easy. And I really appreciate that they are so committed to this and really giving folks a shot. Yeah. Messy and amazing. Yes, exactly. And I will tell you, not too many stories on the show come from Alabama. So shout out <laughs> to ETA in Alabama. Such All right. a place. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. The next story is from a company in Colombia called Cordillera Chocolates, which has launched a sustainability initiative called Atenea, which is about supporting the long-term transformation of female cocoa farmers. And that that acronym, Atenea, means women who transcend. The program kicked off with 150 women and focuses on giving them training, connections to strategic partners, financing, all that good stuff. And this is a, a, a tough industry for women, but they're finally starting to get more support. Yeah. Another very feel good story. Another story where it's like, why you were saying this on a, a recent podcast. Wow. <laughs> we shouldn't be this far behind. So it shouldn't be that amazing of a feel good story, but yet here we are, but we take the wins and the progress there as it comes and supporting women is so important when they're supported, encouraged to be entrepreneurs I mean, we know that their families are better off, that there's better economic development and social well-being of the societies that they're in. And so it's just a domino effect of amazing things that happen when programs like this are are put in place. So a really great story. Yes. Invest in women. Yes. Amazing domino effect. Okay. Fourth story comes from Walmart which has been showing up on five things on an increasingly regular basis lately. Um, They are implementing modifications in stores to create a more welcoming environment for people with sensory disabilities. Specifically, they're right now focusing on back-to-school shopping because 5 to 15% of school-age kids have sensory issues. So the company is offering sensory-friendly hours on Saturdays, which have reduced overhead lights, no radios, static images on televisions, all to create a quieter and less stimulating atmosphere. Amazing. Another incredible story. How many times are you going to say, I love this today? I love it all. I think that this is what happens when you hire for diverse backgrounds and uh, schools of thought. Because when you have everybody in a room who's able-bodied, who there's no neurodivergence, they might, they might, they might come up with this idea, but they might not. And so to have somebody in these rooms at Walmart that are saying, "Hey, 
we should do something like this to have, you know, an inclusive experience, a safer experience for some folks where the loud store on Saturday at 5 p.m. might not be, you know, amenable for them. So I, I love that this is something that's happening. One of my favorite bookstores in the city, uh, Women and Children First up in Andersonville, had a post the other day, which reminded me of this story where they've made masks mandatory since the beginning of the pandemic, and now they're pulling it back, but they're keeping it mandatory three days a week and then strongly encourage the other business days of the week. And I love that because you can't necessarily make everybody happy, but you can do things like that where you're kind of, you know, doing a little bit over here, a little bit over there, trying to look at different individuals and what they need. And I think it's really special um, and a great sign that they're doing something like that. And hopefully other stores take that into their practice as well. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't know that about that, about women and children first. That's, I love that as well. That's great. You know, I think that this, this stuff really does matter. I mean, for families who are struggling with this and struggling with children with sensory issues, families who have a hard time taking their kids to restaurants and stores, this is priceless. And I know that there are very few restaurants that have similar offerings, but I'd love to just see more and more places make these types of accommodations. Like you said, it's not that big of a deal. And honestly, it can be a really strategic business decision, especially if the hours are something that might be a little bit off peak. Agreed. All right. So the fifth story, the final story comes from the International Tennis Hall of Fame, which has just inducted its sixth and seventh wheelchair tennis inductees, Esther Vergier and Rick Draney. So uh, Esther is a 21 time Grand Slam singles champion in wheelchair tennis from the Netherlands. What I love about this is that there are not a lot of federations, sports federations, which are showing the kind of inclusion that tennis is and so really want to give them a shout out for including wheelchair athletes yeah and the netherlands coming through again too um i know right great love that the visibility again like the first story is amazing in the article i love that there is one line that esther talked about acknowledge there is a coach i think in her early years that gave her a compliment and acknowledged her talent and how meaningful and impactful that was to focus on the things that she was good at and can do and not the things that she couldn't do, not focusing on the quote unquote disability. That was the part that really struck home for me about focusing on what people can do. It's such a simple thing, but it's a really great reminder in personal life and at work. Um, so I love that and agreed Tennis, amazing. I, I We were just talking about pickleball earlier. So this is really giving me an itch to go out there while the weather's nice. You know, I was playing pickleball a few weeks ago and uh, and there was a person playing wheelchair pickleball on the next court over. And just one, all it was doubles pickleball and one of the four players was in a wheelchair. And I just was like, wow, go, go get it. This is awesome. And they were doing great. Like, it's just what empowerment. Um, I just love it. So thank you, Allie. Thank you so much for your for sharing today. How can folks get in touch with you? Oh, this is where I wish I was really cool and had like awesome social media pages. But the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Uh, you can just find me, Allie Tumpkin, LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to connect with anyone there and 
take it off of LinkedIn from there through email, but that's probably the best way. Okay. Thank you, Allie. And this week's call to action, check out the new podcast by my friend, Latanya Wilkins. Her podcast is called Leading Below the Surface, which is the name of her book, Leading Below the Surface, How to Build Real and Psychologically Safe Relationships with People Who Are Different from You. Check out the podcast anywhere you find podcasts. LaTanya is awesome, and her book is awesome. You're going to love the podcast. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thank you so much, Allie, and everyone have a great week. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my Five Things newsletter, join at fivethingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for Five Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI. Thank you.